My next guest is, well, an anomaly. Many have conjectured on who he is and his role in the plan to save the world. I have my own personal conclusions and assumptions, but what I can tell you from the time I've gotten to spend with him one-on-one and face-to-face is that he is a man of deep faith, conviction, a patriot, and is unwavering in his mission to bring hope while waking up the masses. This interview is a rare one as we dive deep into a dream and premonition from 2020 and how its prophetic message is unfolding before our eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Juan Savin. And welcome to Biding My Time, the podcast where nothing is off limits except free speech. Get ready to second guess, well, your entire life. Your host, Chris McNelly, along with expert guests from around the world, dig deep into life's most important questions, explore its vast mysteries, and rip apart the mainstream narratives. Red pill, blue pill, down the rabbit hole we go. But uh, anyway, uh, appreciate you being patient. Uh, I had a bunch of stuff I had to get out of the way here earlier, so this is uh, uh, work for me time-wise to pull it off. No, I'm I'm, I'm grateful for you uh, taking the time to jump on, and it's uh, I'm excited to catch up and hear hear what is happening in your world as uh, the collectives burn uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty. I can say this: uh, the the conversations that I've gotten to have recently. Uh, everyone that I've talked to is very much in the same boat uh, in feeling that the tides are turning and they have turned and yep. things are moving in a different way in a different motion. The air is different and you can feel the panic for the first time on the opposite side of the aisle, if that yep. uh, makes sense. Yep. As, as it should be, because uh, with what's going on in the house and getting control, uh, they can say anything they want. Uh, the reality is Trump is now the de facto speaker of the house and that yep. is, that is killing him. <laughs> it's a so. strong move. Uh, did McCarthy make that deal last year when he went to Mar-a-Lago to actually meet with Trump? Is that how that most likely went down? No, he, uh, McCarthy was, uh, telling Trump the way it was going to be. Uh, really? he really didn't see, this going the direction that it went. And remember, every time they did a revote, McCarthy had to make another concession. Mm. So, uh, you know, he made some initial concessions, and then every one of those representatives in the mega group came back and said, no, we need this. No, we need that. The most important one being, um, with the rules, you know, the, the rules are what determine, you know, what kind of a card game we play in here. And so is it, uh, you know, blackjack? Is it uh, Texas Hold'em? Is it, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, Pinochle, you know, what, you know, are we playing hearts? Yeah, Rami. <laughs> <laughs> remember remember in the godfather hey uh hey let's play some hearts out here come on come on let's play hearts <laughs> he's in there bleeding himself to death you know so uh yeah that's that's the game that's afoot so 
Well, a lot has happened since the last time we got to speak face to face. And again, the, uh, the tides are turning and this country and the world at large is waking up. They're starting to see beyond the veil. They're starting to see beyond the corruption. I, I honestly think people are bypassing corruption and starting to see evil. And they're starting to understand that this is a much uh, bigger war than politics. Um, well, let me let me just say this. You know, I, I saw something that uh, Glenn Beck did the other day. And uh, he talked about um, a dream he had twice where... Uh, you know, he saw the evil that was going on behind the scenes and he called it out as Moloch mm. and uh, that the people that were up against, that's Moloch. Now, the reason I think that's um, interesting, you know, in my book, I talk about, and, and he said it was a very disturbing dream. He's not a guy that dreams. I'm not either. So uh, when it happened to me, I mean, I... I I woke up, you could have, if you'd thrown a bucket of water on my bed, um, you couldn't, I couldn't have been more soaked. <laughs> I sweat that hard and it was, it was so disturbing and I write about it in the book uh, and I've talked about it, you know, years ago when it happened. Um, and it was this image. I didn't talk about it being Biden at the time. This is before the election. Uh, and uh, uh, well before the election. Uh, I think, uh, you know, year and a half or something, two years. And um, uh, I described what happened. And it was so disturbing, so shocking. I couldn't go back to sleep. And what it was kind of uh, the other thing was it happened at three thirty in the morning. Uh, that had its own. <laughs> yeah, that's its own. Yep. Yeah, it was at thirty three, and when I woke up, I couldn't. I, I literally, you know, launched up in bed when when I woke up, and the bed was completely soaked, and I finally realized I wasn't going back to sleep. I stepped out onto mm. the uh, deck on the boat and cooled off for a few minutes and then uh i went back on the on the back of the boat and just had some coffee and and tried to uh, decompress because i was so um uh um uh, my the adrenaline was going so bad and i was just humming almost and you know i'm not somebody that dreams i hardly ever remember my dreams you know a little piece here or there once in a while uh you know spicy chili i like carol sheldon's <laughs> chili whatever uh you know but it's just not my normal experience and uh so when glenn beck talked about it and then uh had his own variation and what was interesting when i heard him talking about that the other day in mine um, the super short version is, uh, I saw Biden and it was in a church and they were grandstanding and there was TV cameras there off to the side. There was people down the aisle on either side of the, in the wooden benches in the aisle, the pews. And it was a, a church with a, um, uh, stained glass window to the left 
Um, and then the altar was down the front. And I was uh, in the back of the church, um, you know, probably uh, more than three quarters of the way back. And I was standing, you know, in the in the aisle area, dead center of the church. And I looked over my shoulder and I saw the choir and the choir was weird. Um, they had uh, black robes on. And I noticed that there was a little bit of blood uh, on the mouths of the choir. And then there was some on the sleeves. Uh, and I didn't notice it at first. I kind of what's that about? And it didn't seem yeah. right. Okay. And then uh, I saw there was a rope going to the ceiling for a swing, two, two ropes going up and like a trapeze type um, a swing, a, a wooden seat. And it was pulled all the way back up to this uh, choir loft. And uh, the choir loft had a, like a, um, Oh, uh, you know, of rail or whatever that was solid. You couldn't see through it. And it was like three feet high or something. And then standing just behind that choir loft on like a, a pedestal or something that I couldn't see, um, there was Biden. And, and mm -hmm. he was in a, uh, a blue suit. And so um, he stepped up to where this swing was just on the other side of the banister. And there was a man there that was standing and I didn't notice it at first. Uh, it wasn't until the swing came back. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second, but I'll just to speed the story. I, I, I noticed he wasn't standing with shoes. There was just a, a, like the edge of the, of the banister railing thing there it had just like little protrusions of the wood coming out because it was all like a wood, like a, like an old church that was maybe, uh, you know, from the thirties, forties, fifties or something like that. Gotcha. And I actually thought I knew exactly what kind of a church it was, but I don't want to say. And so the, uh, the man or person being that was there, I noticed had hoofed feet that were, holding on like a, a goat would hold on on the side of a hill into the kind of the wood, just this little ledge that was sticking out and it was very secure, had his arm out. And as uh, Biden stepped onto this trapeze swing to stand upright on the trapeze swing, he stepped up onto it and uh, this person was holding him in place. And then everybody you know, was looking to make sure what was going on. And in my mind, I understood at that instant, he was going to do something that was grandstanding. So mm -hmm. it was meant to be spectacular. And the pastor of the church was down at a podium uh, in the middle uh, there at the front of the church and uh, a little bit to one side and uh on the on the a uh, little bit to the right and so <clears throat> when he stepped onto that swing he uh got let go and he swang down through the middle of the church and right down through the middle of the aisle all the way down near to to the floor level and then it arced back up and there was steps at the front of this church 
uh, and then this podium with the pastor there who'd made some big pronouncement. And there was TV cameras on the left side and over towards the uh, stained glass windows and, and, you know, camera people and like reporters and all that. And so as he swang down through the aisle, right between everything, and you have to picture he's coming from my right side. And so it was, it was over to the right. So this swing wasn't going just straight down the center of the aisle and back up. It was going from right to left in front of me and kind of having an engineering mind in my mind. I, you know, did this mental calculation and it's just, it's just me. Okay. But I understood that the ropes, because he wasn't coming from going straight down the middle and back up, that swing was going to kind of want to twist because it was, it wasn't even in the way the ropes were. Hmm. And so it was going to make him want to go cattywampus. And so as he came down, he went up. And then the other problem was, and again, you just have to understand, you know, it was my dream. Okay. It's my dream. Yeah. I'm all ears. <laughs> but I, in my engineering mind, I realized he had too much energy. He was, he started too high. So as mm. he swung down, it looked like, and what was in my mind was he was going to step off onto the steps at the front where the, where the, you know, you had a couple steps up and there was an altar in the back and the podium with the pastor and all these people off to the left and where the, where the um, stained glass windows were, it looked like maybe a baptismal in that area or something like that. So uh, he was going to just step off on the, on the landing and then be right there at the pastor and do all of his, whatever he was going to do. And, but he was going so fast when he came up the other side and I, and I remember when his face, when, uh, you know, literally the devil, Lucifer, Moloch, whatever, let him go um, up at the up at the top. He was too high. I mean, he's another floor above. So as he came through, he was going too fast. And I remember there was like apprehension, but kind of a blankness when he got let go. And. Uh, all the things that we kind of recognize with Biden, even now, there's just something that's not fully there. But this was before this had really become apparent. You know, this is, you know, you know, a year before the election and uh, uh, in 2020. And so I don't think that that was broadly in the public discussion at the time. And, you know, it was there, but it wasn't like it is now. And um, so as he got to where he should have stepped off, he was moving too fast. And the, 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 um, where his feet were on this, this uh, seat where he was standing upright, it kind of kicked up for him. And he was way past where he could step off. He hadn't stepped off. He was moving too fast to step off. So he held on. Then the swing reaches the top of its arc and comes back down. And uh, the video people continued to look. And I heard kind of a little bit of a, of a gasp, like there was something wrong. And uh, I knew 
because there was light coming through the stained glass windows, it was like late in the day and I could, you know, it looked like the sun was coming through kind of an afternoon sun. And um, so, and there was something specific in the window, but I won't say that uh, for now. And it came back down, but because the swing had started in the wrong spot and the ropes weren't you know, it wasn't even going down. It kind of did this figure eight. And so he went up, did a little bit of a curve and then started to come back down, uh, kind of right straight down the aisle where he kind of just barely missed the edge of the pews going down and then coming back up on the other side. As it went up, it kind of arced to the right. And then he came straight back down the aisle. Um, right through the middle of the aisle and he was going very fast, but backwards. And he looked over his shoulder. And when he looked over his, his right shoulder, it made the swing. Cause that was what he was doing. as he's come around. It made the swing kind of do this weird thing. Well, then that momentum caught back up with him for this weird arching thing. And it pulled him back to the right. And it, he almost missed this pew. It was maybe like two thirds of the way back. But the corner of that uh, um, seat that he was standing on caught the last pew as it was coming up. And when it caught that, it flipped him in the air. It threw him off and it flipped him in the air completely, you know, upside down with his feet up and his head down. And in that position, he hit a pew because he flipped around upside down in the air he hit a pew right in front of me with his head uh, right on the corner of his uh, temple eye area. And he hit it so hard. It just, and the sound that was, you know, part of the, you know, it was, it was a very scary dream. And I heard it and there's a particular sound that I heard as it hit, you know, maybe in your memory and things that have happened, you, you have certain triggers and that was a trigger for me because it reminded me of something. And then he flipped again after he hit there, did this kind of a weird twisting turn and his head landed right at my feet, his body with his feet out behind him and his head right at my feet. And, um, his, uh, uh, brains were hanging out a little bit and uh his eyes were you know like there wasn't any left life there and uh uh it was extremely um disturbing to me but i didn't wake up at that instant uh and i looked up and a part of what happened uh as i was looking up there was a woman and she was just in front of me uh, and right behind of, uh, where this pew was that it hit. And she turned and was looking at what was going on. And I looked and locked eyes with her. And the swing was kind of just wiggling around weird because, of course, he was off of it now. As the swing came back down, it hit her right in the corner of the mouth and drew blood. And it hit her very hard. And, uh, I, this is long before Harris was ever even picked. And I spoke about this previously and I, I had written about it, 
uh, long before Harris was the vice president. And that she, I thought at the time when I saw her, that she was, you know, not black, but like Indian or something like that. But she had this kind of a medium tone, black skin, you know, darker skin, etc. And uh, uh, I will tell you that once it was Harris, I was like, oh, shoot, that's her, you know. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, that swing wielding around after he, he, you know, flew off of it, you know, she wasn't watching the swing. Everybody was watching, you know, him on the ground and it came back and hit her in the mouth. And uh, then I saw the red and, you know, it was a, you know, big scream. Um, but in that same time period, I saw that at the front in the stained glass windows, it wasn't just that it was the sunset. I could see flames um, uh, licking at the window. And then uh, in that moment, I started to just literally rise up out of this location, went right through the ceiling, you know, out of body experience, whatever. And uh, I could see that there was a fire outside uh, the church and I could see that it was starting to consume the church and there was smoke and everything else. And it was kind of just over the hill from like where the rest of the community was. And as I went higher, I could see out to the rest of the community and see what was going on at this location. And um, I remember thinking, but that church is going to burn down. And then I, I heard this voice, um, it's all right, uh, God doesn't live there anymore. Hmm. And uh, that was the kind of stuff that was going through my mind. There was, there was a lot more. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it was so packed with little nuggets that, you know, and um, in my mind at that moment, um, th what I saw there was, uh, this isn't ever going to be something that's going to be used or of God anymore. Uh, God doesn't live there anymore. Uh, and that that was going to be completely destroyed. Um, and that the people on the other side of this, this hill, that was where things would be built in the future. And this side of the hill was just going to be consumed and gone. And so as I was looking at this whole thing, uh, you know, somewhere in there, as I was seeing the destruction and, and there was other things, little things too, but I'll say that um, it was so shocking to me. And then I woke up, you know, sitting up in bed and just completely soaked and couldn't go back to sleep. The adrenaline was that strong. So one of the things about very trying times out through history, um, you cannot dismiss that God reveals things to people in dreams. Um, if you remember, uh, uh, oh, uh, what's his name's wife who uh, led the crucifixion there of Christ, uh, she had a dream, you know, don't have anything to do with uh, uh, Pilate's wife don't have anything to do with this man. 
you know, uh, she saw bad things coming if, if uh, he had anything to do with Christ. You have people that, you know, will have dreams. You could say it's uh, that your brain does a calculation and that it gives you information in a dream that might be like something that's happening because your brain is processing lots of data all the time. And when you're in that uh, REM state, it's gathering all the data, sorting it out. Here's what we need to do. Here's where we need to put the effort. And you could say that it's just your imagination going and coming up with a, a conclusion or certain things, whatever. But um, other times you can't be that trifling you have to say that something from god or something that you know um what was different then about any other time i was in a very relaxed mode i, I didn't have you know I, I had critical things going on but it wasn't like i you know was doing some of the things i am right now and um i think that that's more common right this second then people realize I have all of a sudden, maybe it's just because I have talked about mine in the past, but I haven't recently. Uh, I've probably had real number, you know, maybe 10 people over the last two months have told me that they've had, you know, unusual intense dreams. I have somebody that mentioned it uh, again this morning that they've had the same particular dream now three times in the last month and a half. Mm. And it's a, it's a very, specific dream and they're actually very uh you know they want to make absolutely certain that i know about it I had somebody else that uh communicated uh came in yesterday i wanted to communicate something very important that happened in a dream well i wasn't asking for it but but people are there is some kind of a thing happening that is indicative that there's something different than what we've experienced before happening right this second. And uh, I think that's a hand of God thing. Uh, the scriptures talk about the fact that God um, is in charge of the affairs of men, that he uh, does, um, you know, preside over the affairs of men. The founding fathers talked about this uh, when they reached a point where they couldn't come to agreement on certain aspects of uh, the Constitution. And they literally knelt and prayed and then later that day came to a resolution uh, okay. on, on how they were going to affect the matter of the pilgrims when they landed at Plymouth Rock. Uh, they dedicated their efforts moving forward. Uh, to God. And in fact, I've talked about that numerous times that God is not um, neutral or just observing what's going on. He's moving on the hearts of his people. And, and it actually it goes to one other thing, too, that I think is important for people to understand. Um, God's not an Indian giver. He <laughs> gave the earth and everything in it to Adam and his seed that's us um for inheritance permanently so people complain you know why does god allow suffering why does god allow war why does god allow 
birth defects and and evil and child trafficking and pedophilia and nuclear war and everything else. And uh, I think we have to pause and think about this for a moment. Uh, sin came into the world because God gave man free choice. Uh, mankind is who he gave the planet to. The usurper got some control because we allowed him a foothold into the world that God gave us. Uh, Christ is the second Adam, is the way the scriptures explain it. And so what was usurped from us, uh, Eve was beguiled. She got told a story and she believed it. And um, so she believed a lying spirit. Uh, and so, uh, got us off track. Um, the resolution of that situation comes by the blood of Christ, uh, penalty of sin is death. Death is separation from God. Uh, we can be restored to uh, a walking, living, right relationship with God by the blood of Christ. And, um, then, we also, at that moment, are restored in our legal authority as the children of Adam, restored to a right relationship with God, to retake that which was stolen by deceit, by lies, by whatever, um, uh, to retake control of the earth and everything that's in it, uh, everything that moves and crawls upon the face of the earth, uh, we have dominion over. That's what God gave Adam. So what we have to do is reassert our authority. Um, and the process that we're in right now is re-understanding what our legal title deed authorities are as the landowners of the earth and as the uh, chief king, <laughs> uh, prince and bottle washer, uh, to keep things going right on the planet. And so when things aren't going right, uh, my contention is that it's because we haven't been operating according to what our authorities are and God, um, he doesn't act, um, uh, apart from including us in the action. So like if we have a dream, if we understand our authorities because we have a scripture or there's a prophet or somebody like that that gives us some piece of information, then we have to do it. So for example, um, when Gideon, uh, God said he wanted uh, Gideon to send a bunch of the soldiers, soldiers home. Uh, he wanted to prove that he was in charge of winning the war. But he didn't have Gideon send all of the soldiers home. He kept a, a remnant, a tiny portion mm -hmm. of them. Then God, working through them, they blew the trumpets where they were supposed to in a certain way and spooked the other side's army. They snuck up on them. The other side's army saw them all leaving, saw a trail of all of their military leaving and thought they'd given up and gone home. Their spies saw them leaving. But that remnant then 
in that moment while the camp of the enemy is kind of celebrating happy that they're all going home and they're going to go get it anyway they're just going to march in and take it right there at the at the people's farms and houses and everything else so they were they weren't going home they were just getting ready to come do the attack but they were relaxing because you know the army had gone home that remnant snuck up on their camp and then blew the trumpets right beside the camp and of course if you hear trumpets blaring and their attack trumpets you figure there's an army behind them so they're half asleep in their tent, half drunk, you know, hanging out with uh, all their friends and buddies. And they start running into each other and, and literally were killing each other because they, you know, didn't have their uniforms on, didn't have their armor on, didn't have their swords out prepared because they weren't out in the battle, battlefield. And so in the dark of night, in the middle of the campfires, they're literally slaying each other, thinking that it's the enemy. And so uh, uh, God won a victory, but he did it in conjunction with the people, the remnant that he worked through. Oh, there you go. Uh, that he worked through to uh, get it out there. That's a metal print, by the way. Just so you know, I just got those. <laughs> and it survived. So anyway. Quality. Yeah, that's high quality. I'm, I'm going to sign. I've only got, I think I've got two of these. And then I've got uh, some Megador ones that are pretty cool, too. So there we go. I've got some Megador ones, too, that are pretty cool. I've only got a handful. I'm not going to probably order more. So if anybody wants, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign that here in just a little while. But uh uh, signed uh, metal print. I think Jennifer will have them up on the shop here by the time you get the show up or shortly thereafter, and there'll just be a handful of them. So, might be two of those. Anyway, they're hard to get, and it's a pain in the neck um, to uh, uh, box them and ship them, so I don't know that we'll do very many, but they're really cool. <laughs> anyway, and look, so the, whole, the whole point is, is that God doesn't work independent of the true owners of the planet that he gave us. He works in conjunction with, so if God gives somebody a dream or a vision or um, even a scripture, you know, people read something, they understand um, an authority or something they're supposed to do, or they get some insight on how they're supposed to do something, then God works hand in hand when we ask for help and assistance. And then the other thing is there's a lot of stuff where, you know, we're waiting for God to do something. He's like, uh, hey, uh, actually I gave you the authority. Yeah. You have the authority over everything that creeps and crawls and moves upon the earth, exercise it. Um, mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to do the mental gymnastics and realize, you know, we're blaming God for not doing stuff. And he's looking at us going, um, who are you blaming for not getting something done? <laughs> so uh, we have to walk these things out. And uh, so when lots of people are having dreams, um, and this is why I, I just mentioned the Glenn Beck thing, because uh, he said that the first dream happened quite some time back, and then he had it again. Um, uh you know, and I hadn't had any, and then I had this one, and then I have had one just recently that I haven't talked about that 
was um, kind of a continue on of that thing. And I uh, haven't really said anything about it. I think I'll hold tight for the time being. But uh, the scripture says, uh, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Yeah. So uh, the other concern I have there, though, is, excuse me, I'm not that old. <laughs> Why am I not getting visions? No, 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 no. I want the vision one. Okay. The vision one. Okay. I'm not old yet. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, I'll have to, I have to have them go back and update the records. You know, after I turn 39, I start going backwards. I'm not going forwards. I refuse, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. So anyway, um, uh, I don't know quite why I got off on that tangent, but I, I think even in your audience, um, uh, when you think about, I guess part of the reason I also said that is because we're in this, um, the tide shifted, the pendulum's coming back. It hangs for a period of time and, and, and the tide actually began shifting. Uh, and we saw it in the, in the numbers about four months ago. And, uh, where the numbers reached a particular point where there was a consensus, a commonality in the numbers showing the dissatisfaction, uh, not pro-Trump, not anti this or that, uh, a dissatisfaction with Washington, D.C. And recognizing that ultimately that D.C. centralized government um, operation was at the core of what's going wrong with the country. Uh, and that's very important because uh, you have to have the population working kind of um, together, shouldering up towards a common enemy. Otherwise, you can be run into civil war. So a yep. lot of the things that are happening in the world right now, especially here in the U.S., um, but across the world, including places like Brazil, including places yeah. like uh, Ukraine and Eastern Europe, are designed to cause us to go into some type of civil war, brother fighting brother. And mm. if you do that in the midst of the chaos, uh, these globalistas um, prevail because out of chaos, order. So mm -hmm. they want chaos. And in fact, from uh, the devil's pers perspective, or as Glenn Beck, you know, noted, Moloch, uh, you know, I talk about the Baal worshippers, Moloch and all that, oh. um, and have been talking about that for, you know, decades, but especially the last probably 12, 13 years uh, in stuff that I've done. I've, I've, I've been very harsh on that. I haven't used the term Moloch um, primarily I've used Baal and then the Osiris stuff, uh, yeah. related to Washington monument type thing. This, this, um, cult, this religious cult that's running the world of Baal worshipers. When Beck said Moloch, he was essentially identifying identically the same cult, uh, and group. So, uh, that's why I, I, I just kind of mentally noted that. Um, and when you think of a relatively mainstream 
personality and I get it. You know, they've pushed him around different places and all that. He's done his different things and we run in different lanes. You know, I'm not Mormon. I'm not doing the same thing as Beck. Doesn't mean that somebody that's spiritually sensitive, Hmm. God isn't still speaking in similar uh, ways. Okay. Um, And uh, as a Christian, um, I, there's a lot of people that put themselves out there, you know, as, as Christian prophets and things like that. And I just got to tell you that I take a deep breath. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have high confidence in many with what I hear because it doesn't have the precision that I generally think is like this fingerprint of God sometimes. Um, and so for myself, you know, I kind of take a deep breath and, okay, well, that's interesting. All right. And I'll watch and see. Uh, but that said, um, you know, sometimes I, 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 so I was, I'll tell you uh, something that happened years and years ago. I was with uh, uh, some other folks and there was a, um, American Indian tribal, uh, religious leader. And, you know, he was talking about things that were there and he gave a vision that he had had many years earlier. And it was stunning. Some of the stuff that he said, and from a technical side, my mind thinking like it, it does the things he was describing were, unique enough that I really slowed down and had to listen to him because um, he was describing some stuff in a way that I thought uh, was kind of God-like in the way that it would be described. One of the things he said, uh, and he was talking about their heritage, um, he said uh, that uh, his grandfather's grandfather had had a vision that he related to him and made him memorize hmm. so that he would know, wouldn't change anything to get it exact. And one of the things that he said is he said, in the future, there will be a great mirror. And in that mirror, all men can look into it and other people can look into the same mirror and just like you can look straight in it and see yourself, you could look to the side and see people around you and you could see everything about them, hmm. everything they'd ever done, all the places they'd been, uh, all these details about them and little things like, you know, the moment that they were born and uh, uh, who their family members were. You could look at them and, uh, people will put their faces right up to this mirror to learn about everybody around them all the time. And then he he said something, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" He says, "And and and we know them now as computers." Now hmm. think about it: when you sit right up there to the computer, and and what he said, you would ask it questions and you'd see these things. You you punch in the questions in the computer and it tell you, we can now, you know, 
where were you on such and so date? What's in there? Uh, who are all your relatives? Lots of fine details and that, that, you know, you wouldn't be able to hide from it because it would be so precise. I, I think, you know, that's a, a pretty interesting analogy. And, you know, that was, you know, back, you know, at that time, that was probably grandfather was probably late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. So uh, I just thought it was a very unique thing. I think that uh, people in many cultures uh, look, you know, uh, do you think that uh, uh, Belshazzar in uh, Babylon, when he had the vision of the hand writing in the stone uh, uh, on the wall behind him, do you think that, uh, you know, that was an actual apparition? That was uh, something very physical. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a vision. But yet it was very real. God, you know, showed him something. Others, like Pharaoh, had a dream, uh, and he wouldn't tell the high priests around him what the dream was. He told them, you tell me the dream and the interpretation. And that's mm -hmm. when um, uh, Joseph was brought out uh, from the prison and then told him what his dream was and told him what uh, the interpretation was. It was the seven years with the fat cows and the fat corn and then the seven lean years with the uh, lean cows and the lean corn. And so he gave Pharaoh a vision and Pharaoh was a very important, you know, obviously um, political societal leader. But would you say that, oh, he was a Christian or he's a Jew or he's, you know, he lives just exactly right? No, he's in this influential position. So God dealt with that man yep. to give him understanding and insight because he deals with lots of other people. God went to a pivotal location to convey critical information to a person that was in the position to make um, moves ultimately that would affect or protect um, his children. But even then, God didn't do the work that had to be done. Joseph, men, people had to actually go do the work. And I think a lot of people are standing around thinking that uh, God's got to blast these guys with a lightning bolt from the sky. He's got to fix what's happened in who got in power and how and, and the corruption and everything else. Um, and the reality is that's where we have to exercise our authority, uh, take control um, of the world around us and uh, exercise it according to our location or ability, um, you know, according to where we are personally in this, in this whole thing. And, uh, you know, uh, to him much, uh, to him whom much is given, much will be expected. Uh, so you have people of means, uh, people with certain authorities or access um, deciding to step forward. You know, we have uh, some of the things that have been happening over just the last couple of weeks are whistleblowers 
um, beginning to come out of the woodwork with yep. details, information, where do you got to look? But it matches a moment on other levels because uh, Trump has gotten proxy control of the House, got control so that the Speaker of the House, if he doesn't do what these guys want and need him to do, uh, they can do a roll call vote uh, and uh, remove the Speaker and put somebody else in or just put things in deadlock until things go the right way. Who's in charge of the committee heads? Uh, what are the committees going to look at? Uh, who gets to be on the committees? Oh, Adam Schiff, you're not on there. You don't get access to the intelligence uh, and, and other people. So there's a change in the flow, the direction, the force, you know, whatever. Um, things are moving in a unique, new, different direction. Uh, and people feel that. And then some of the people may have dreams or visions. Some of the people may even have apparitions. And some of the people, uh, just like these whistleblowers, they're in the right position, but there was nobody they could report to. There was nobody they could give anything mm. to. Now that the committees are formed and they're looking for stuff and they're going to request things from different agencies, these people can either behind the scenes uh, go to the committees and ask to be heard. They have to go to a committee chair and then both sides get to hear it and blah, blah. It's a very complex thing. If you've never been through it, I'm sorry. There's a precise way you have to do it according to your legal requirements, your oaths, etc. And when you have people that don't want that information coming out, they can block you and you can't get heard in the proper setting. And if you try to bypass it, you're in violation of your oath, you'll go to jail for the rest of your life, uh, not the bad guys. And hmm. so now that uh, we have people on the committees with the right authorities and uh, wanting to look in the right places, guys can come out of the woodwork, um, uh, present stuff, ask to be heard through normal legitimate channels. The other side of this thing is people that still don't want to come out that way, who may be in just too fragile of a position, etc., might be able to make sure stuff gets to the right people or gets into the public purview to where these committees adjust what they're looking for and say, well, I, you know, and I'll use an example, the Pentagon Papers. When the Pentagon Papers were released back during the Nixon administration. Uh, they tried to block it, kind of a WikiLeaks moment, to stop them from being published in the press, explaining what everybody was doing in uh, Vietnam and in Southeast Asia, etc. cetera. Uh, the release of the Pentagon Papers then led to other disclosures that ultimately, about three years later, led to the church committee hearings when all the mischief over at CIA with, you know, uh, drugging people with LSD without them knowing it, um, overthrowing governments in Chile and other places, uh, things that went on in Indonesia and USAID, which Obama's mama worked with USAID. Um, uh, and for those that don't know it, uh, she was an intelligence asset. Okay. As were, her parents, the Dunhams, a uh, mom over at the Bank of Hawaii, she was uh, uh, 
the personal banker to the Marcoses who were, you know, out of the Philippines and all the drama there. Uh, there's all sorts of mysteries going on behind the scenes. People can leak stuff and it will then lead to the committees looking further and looking further. The Pentagon Papers information didn't come in such a way that it was run through the committees. They were blocked from coming through the committees. It was just released to the press from behind the scenes and the public got to see it. And then the public started asking questions and then the politicians couldn't hide it any longer and they had to do these hearings. And then we got to the rest of the stuff, including the church committee stuff. We're going to have church committee um, type hearings before mm. this is over, but it won't just be looking at the CIA this time. It's going to be looking at uh, all the three-letter agencies and uh, asking what in the world is going on over there at CISA, the uh, Cyber Intelligence uh, uh, Security uh, System over at DHS. Uh, what's going on at the National Reconnaissance Office? Oh, it's just satellites. Well, what are the hell are they looking at and on whose authority? And who's getting the information from what they're looking at? Uh, you know, what's been going on over there? Um, you're going to get a, a look-see behind the scenes um, at uh, not just uh, CIA, but FBI. And asking, you know, who authorized these people to be in charge of what you get to see or look at or listen to <clears throat> at all these social uh media locations and in the newsrooms who's been authorizing the payment of newscasters at places like Fox and other place to shut down stories and to shut down the information, uh, you know, on the payroll, by the way, that's where Glenn Beck was attacked, uh, and, uh, by one of the other hosts that shut him down and he was on the payroll of the CIA, not back, but the other person. So mm. what the hell's going on over there? There's a lot of stuff to come back that needs to be reviewed and the public needs to be aware of it. And, um, if out somewhere in the broader consciousness, there are people that are getting messages be they coded or very clear or whatever about what's about to happen um uh that would match the turmoil in this moment this shift in direction um because a lot's at stake and even i would argue you know when pharaoh had his dream god moved in the mind of pharaoh gave him a dream that troubled him so much that he threatened all of his priests. You give me, you know, they said, oh, tell us, tell us what you dreamed and we'll give you the interpretation. Says, no, you'll lie to me. Hmm. You tell me what I dreamed and then you tell me the interpretation and then I'll know you're actually getting it uh, from God Almighty. Well, that's why they were in such fear and they had to go find Joseph because he had a history of being able to do that. And it was to save the life of all the high priests uh, and then to save the whole nation because they were coming into a, a, a time of uh, drought and calamity and they had to get ready for it. Um, I believe that those people that are having dreams and visions, probably many of them are in influential positions, both good guy and bad guy. 
and they're getting a forewarning of what's about to come and then they get to make decisions i had another guy uh years ago probably um about probably eight years ago and um this is a guy that liked to use you know some of the drugs or whatever marijuana that sort of thing mild stuff but he liked to do it and so he'd been at a party or something and um uh i i knew this guy is just a casual acquaintance a friend of mine and he were very close and he'd done some some construction work for me so anyway this friend of mine uh, calls me up and uh says hey uh he, he needed something or other for this other guy and so he called me up and says by the way you don't believe the story he told me today and i'm like what's that he said he had the wildest dream last night and he was out walking and walking and walking with a bunch of guys that were like um you know witch doctor type guys and that he was like an out-of-body experience and they were walking and walking and they wanted him to stay with them and there there's a lot to this story but it, long and short of it is uh he wanted to stay with them and they says well you've got to go back and then you make a decision and it was something that was very i remembered uh, and i warned my friend i said that, you know that's that's like the kind of stuff the devil was doing when he was teasing and taunting and trying to entice adam and eve in the lost book of adam and eve there's the first 50 days when they're out of the garden the devil kept coming back trying to um get them to go away from the region by the garden where god had put them in a cave and uh where he could kill them and then he was always in disguise and then at the last minute god would reveal that this was Satan in another disguise. So it wasn't just in the serpent disguise. He described, he, he had a disguise as a woman, an old woman, an old man, a man with a beard, taking him up to the north, kind of like Santa, um, uh, and uh, taking him to a river uh, where they could wash off and to drown him. And so this is, this is the verbal history uh, that Joseph had recorded in Egypt after um, Jacob and the sons came to, to uh, Egypt because of the famine, they didn't have a written history. So we had the uh, history that was handed down from Adam uh, put to print. And it's the lost books of Adam and Eve is the way that the story goes. And it's beautiful poetry. It's not part of the Bible because it's not like the book of moses or something like that it just is intended to give you kind of a mental zone to watch out for the devil because he's always trying to sneak you and and deceive you or whatever so i told my friend i says that sounds like one of the devil's things where he was constantly trying to deceive him to go someplace and do whatever and of course he's using the drugs he had to lighten up on the drugs i know he had a a heart issue a couple of years ago and he needs to to lighten up and I said, you, you ought to tell him that. It was, the guy's name was Kevin. And I, I said, you, you ought to tell Kevin that. I'm, I'm very concerned because that, that doesn't, that just sounds weird. And uh, the uh, 
following day, I get the, the thing. Uh, and this was a person that, you know, I had talked about, uh, you know, eternal life with uh, heaven and hell and things like that. Others had too, but he was very nonchalant about these things. And yet here he had a very spiritual experience. And uh, uh, he uh, went to sleep, had a, you know, another joint or whatever, and didn't wake up that time. He had, and, and he had the warning, and then the next one was just gone. Um, and it troubled me a lot at the time because in my um, way of understanding this and uh, my faith, he was not prepared uh, for what happened next. And hmm. so God gave him this warning, gave him this opportunity, um, a moment of decision, and there was no reconciliation there. There was no uh, coming to Jesus, if you will. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving out huge sections of, of the discussion, the way it was conveyed or portrayed. But, um, you know, again, sometimes people will get a forewarning and they got to think about it. I had a business partner years ago and uh, had something similar. He'd had five valve heart bypass surgery. I didn't even know you could have that many. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, you know, he, he died on the operating table a couple of times. And uh, he ended up living five years after that. And a great guy. He was a boat racer. We loved, uh, uh, he raced the next class up from what I was racing and, uh, uh, very good, uh, very good friend and, uh, had, you know, cause he lived hard, drunk hard, uh, pretty abusive to his system, um, and his uh, Navy career and like that, uh, you know, he, Never, and he had a near-death experience when he uh, had the five-valve heart bypass surgery and uh, talked about it. We talked about it several times. And he would talk about the fact that, you know, he wasn't afraid of death, um, but that he also wasn't... Um, uh, you know, kind of his zone was he knows Jesus and Jesus knows him and he'll deal with God when he gets there. And <laughs> he had some issues and God's going to have to answer for a few things. And um, uh, I always felt I'd get time and the right circumstance to talk, you know, more intently, but I and would be pushing on a string and I didn't want to be you know, we had other business, we were friends, uh, we had, we both had Shelby's, we had fun with our cars and, and just, uh, I enjoyed his company tremendously and uh, uh, could have blown me over. Last thing that I expected, I, we'd had a huge, we'd gone on vacation together and had a, a great weekend together. And in retrospect, I realized he knew something was up even the conversation knew something was up. We got back, 
the night before we'd talked probably for two and a half hours, even though we'd spent the whole weekend together, we talked for two and a half hours on the phone about different things and, and trying to work through some stuff. And, uh, uh, we did talk about a couple spiritual things at the time cause I felt led to. And the next day he died under uh, a car he was working on, just, uh, had a heart attack and died. It was over in a few, few seconds. He probably never even knew it hit him. Damn. And, uh, that was now, you know, 30, 35 years ago, probably. And, um, but he had, I, you know, he had a precognition. When I look back on it now, about a month before that, it was clear, it clear to me as could be after the fact that he knew he was about to go. Something he uh -huh. knew he was about to go things he said, he went to extra detail about certain things and wanting to make sure I knew where stuff was, what had to be done. Um, I just wasn't tuned into it at the time, but he, he could see it coming. Um, uh, so I think it's very valid that people do get dreams, premonitions, uh, visions, um, even apparitions. And when that happens, um, it's very important that you not ignore them as the person who gets them, which I published it, you know, I talked about mine. Um, but also if you have people around you, maybe you got to slow down and take a deep breath, think about what's going on. And just like Pharaoh, he needed help from a man of God. And when he got the right help, he recognized it was the genuine thing. Hmm. And then he acted accordingly. He says, okay, you're in charge of everything because God gave you both the dream and the interpretation of what it means. You get it better than anybody. I now put you in charge. So think about people in this audience who may have had a similar experience. Um, if you're one of those people, then uh, maybe you have to find the people around you. They had to go find Joseph. He was in prison. Get the right advisors that are actually in tune with God. Verify that they're actually the ones with the information from God, not from somebody else. Uh, they're not a false prophet uh, on somebody else's payroll or whatever. Um, there's a certain responsibility to get it right. And then uh, um, be ready to act um, accordingly. I think that's what's going on in the world around us right now. So I kind of dominated the whole conversation, but you got me started. No, this is fantastic. Of, you know, so... Uh, that's what I had, but, uh, any other questions? I'm, I apologize. I just, you get me started no. at, uh, uh, things that I hadn't thought about for quite a while necessarily precisely. So, well, I think you've nailed a couple of things, at least on my end with what I'm feeling, hearing again, I believe personally that we are collectively about to go into the dark, night of the soul, uh, in the human race, uh, before, I think that we enter into our own renaissance spiritually. Uh, and I do think that that's going to manifest outwardly uh, when it comes to 
I, I keep letting individuals know it's time to take our seat. And I believe a lot of people have been hidden on purpose and protected on purpose. And again, the shift has taken place. It's taking place. Uh, I, I find it interesting, your dream about Joe Biden um, and almost that pendulum swing effect. I believe that we might be on that, uh, that turning point uh, from the climax of that swing in this moment of time. And again, it, like you said earlier in this conversation, it lingers there for a minute. Um, and I, we might be in that lingering. We might be in that, that uh, fail stop moment. Uh, I could be wrong, but this, this hits home on my end when it comes to what other people are sharing with me and what they're feeling. Uh, a lot of individuals that I've gotten to speak with are turning back to God right now, and it's very encouraging. And so I don't know what's getting ready to come down the pike uh, from a, uh, a geopolitical aspect, but I have a feeling we're getting ready to see wave after wave, um, drip, drip, drip before uh, this flood takes place. And I'm not sure the, uh, the, the details that you might be privy to, uh, but the writing's on the wall. It's almost as if I, I said this in 2020. I've even got the receipts on my social media that at some point the narratives will shift and they'll get flipped on their head. And I believe that we're finally starting to see these narratives, uh, whether it's from COVID or from a political aspect or from the, I mean, the fact that Glenn Beck's mentioning Mullet, I've been talking about that for years and people have thought I'm crazy. And now the general public is starting to see, wait a second, there, like I said earlier, this is more than just politics. This war is spiritual. Um, well, let so, me let me just chime in for one second there. Sure, please. I think the context there was very important. Glenn himself noted the fact that he <clears throat> made a uh, conscious decision to speak about this where he hadn't been before. That this is not a fight with mere men. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the force that we're fighting, the uh, entity that we're fighting is Moloch or the cult built around the Moloch religion, a religion of death. So as soon as you're limiting your understanding to just of political parties, political viewpoints, um, certain candidates, this guy's a rhino, that guy's a, you know, this or that, um, this law needs to be changed or adjusted. You're actually not grasping that, yes, all those things may be true and need to be addressed, but there is an intelligence behind it and even a religious order. Mm. Um, you know, people talk about <clears throat> Israel and uh, you know, the promised land and, you know, it was promised to Abraham and his seed, you know, as inheritance and all this other stuff. Okay. So it's the Holy land. Excuse me. Go talk to Elijah about that. Yes. It was the land where God's people went. And while he was there, he fought with the worshipers of Baal. Hmm. with the ones that built the Baal Moloch uh, uh, idols in which the burning flaming arms of Moloch would receive these people's children. The people of hmm. Israel were offering their children as a living sacrifice onto 
the altar of Baal, which was heated, you know, red hot. Okay, it was a furnace. And then they're fat sacrificing their children to Baal and Moloch. So when, when somebody like uh, Beck uses that as uh, what he's talking about and then talks about that he had a dream, a couple of them, uh, I think you have to take that very seriously. He's seeing, uh, and, and remember, one, one thing too about uh, Glenn Beck, he had the eye problems uh, physically that had something to do with why he had to kind of take some breathers back when. So when he had those eye problems, um, I would assume just based on the timing, that's about the time he had the vision. Remember when Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who was persecuting the Christians, and as he's going from city to city persecuting the Christians and they're afraid of him, uh, arguably, uh, you know, many have said that it was him that led the group that stoned Stephen in the uh, uh, New Testament. So he was very dangerous and they were, the people were very afraid of him. So Saul had his road to Damascus moment and encountered Christ and uh, Christ asked him, why does he kick at the goads? Why is he uh, uh, doing this? Um, you know, why are you persecuting me? And uh, Saul, Paul didn't recognize that he was the Messiah uh, of, of which Paul was, was looking for uh, as a Jew, a Jew's Jew and a Roman citizen. In that moment, that encounter, Saul, who many believe had poor eyesight naturally during that time period, the, it's described that scales fell from his eyes. Something like scales fell from his eyes. Mm. And then he could see clearly after that. And I would tell you that, you know, um, I don't want to give anything away uh, and the person hasn't said it precisely, but there's a scene for a movie being made. And what I suggested was uh, in that moment, imagine, you know, a snake molting its skin and untwining itself around someone's brain, even around their head or something like that. Uh, and the scales falling from the eyes, you know, that's a very serpentine image. It didn't say that, yeah. you know, they, uh, the feathers fell from his eyes. Didn't say that the fur fell from his eyes. <laughs> okay. Or even, you know, uh, uh, he had, you know, morning eyeballs or something and, and they were all foggy and they were just kind of, uh, had a little bit of phlegm in them or something scales. It's very serpentine. And um, we have a society, a world right now that they can't see the true nature of the entity that is, um, you know, behind a lot of the attacks on them. Uh, you know, did uh, Glenn Beck have scales fall from his eyes? 
even in the midst of these other eye issues was the vision because he had to see more clearly in the spiritual side. You know, a lot of times you have something going on in the physical and it's reflected. Yep. Um, it's a reflection of things going on in the spiritual. Um, uh, even him saying, I made a conscious decision to talk to people about Moloch. Um, to me, within the community in the strata where he's been operating, he certainly has talked about a God or divine side of things. But I would say in a reasonably measured way that was palatable to most audiences, um, then he himself acknowledges that this was a deviation digging down deeper, going further mm. than he would otherwise normally have felt comfortable, but he felt compelled to get it done, to do it, to launch out. So with that in mind, um, are others being similarly uh, prodded forward? Um, I think so. I would I think agree. If you go out and look within the community and and it's almost you can in many cases it might just be premonitions. The, your brain doing the mental gymnastics, the calculations and realizing no something has changed in the force with now the change at the house and this covert uh control with a leash on McCarthy and um, a guiding hand in the committee leadership and who gets to be on the committees and exactly what's going to be looked at. It's like a monopoly game. As you go through the game, if you're able to get control of some of the pricier properties, then the first thing you want to do is get those hotels on there as quickly as you can assemble the money to do so. Why? Because then as the other players come by, they might miss it for one or two rounds around the uh, board, but eventually they're going to hit those. Hold on to your butts. Remember to hit like, subscribe, and share with like-minded people or prank those who deserve it as we grow this collective thought project. And for anyone offended by anything mentioned in this podcast, sucks to suck, we'll see you again.